Grand Rising, everybody. Natalie coming to you live. Spirit and coffee. Got my coffee here. Salud. By Shishin. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so just so you guys know, I have a special guest, Shishi. And uh, she is actually one of my amazing um peers um we were in a master's program together consciousness and transformative studies at john f kennedy university now national universities and i was really very um impressed with the way that she she was able to connect with the material that we were working with in our consciousness and transformative studies and um in a way i was very um intrigued by the way with you she she just so you know um, I'm sure I haven't told you that, but um, because there are some big concepts in consciousness studies that we work with, um, and really today what we're going to be talking about is how do you take that those big concepts and how do you apply them to your life? Because that's really, I think, the hardest part of consciousness and transfor transformation and of the psyche itself. How do we take these ideas that are in our brain or these feelings and sensations and then transform them into something meaningful um, and our life story as well. So I'm super excited to share also with Spirit and Coffee. Um, there are some new things that are gonna be happening um, as it develops. I'm doing some rebranding and um, I'm very excited to share that uh, later on. Um, but Shishi, if you'd like to just introduce yourself, let us know who you are, where you're at, what you're up to how life is going for you? Sure. Yeah, so I am Shishi Chen. I am uh, originally from everywhere, actually. <laughs> I was born in China and I moved to Australia when I was three. And then uh, later on in my mid twenties, I moved to the USA. So I am actually a double immigrant. So I'm very familiar. Um, with the immigrant story and uh, twice actually. And now I'm currently residing in Arizona. Um, I'm a global citizen, I would characterize myself as. So I'm actually going to be going to Australia uh, next week and where I will plan to stay for the next uh, six months or so. And uh, I think that's really shaped my life, being somebody who is international, appreciating different cultures and diversities uh, of, within people. And that's something that I bring to my education and my concepts and my personal brand. Uh, I believe I'm somebody very diverse and adaptable. And just like the broad scope of consciousness studies, there is so much that I want to enrich the world with on a practical level, as you said, Natalie, because of course we can always meander with these concepts in consciousness and transformative studies. And at the end of the day, it's really about applying them to our own lives. How can we benefit from this knowledge and wisdom? Because when we're doing a lot of readings, when we're immersing ourselves with material, if this is a particular interest of yours that you wish to study personally in your leisure, Ultimately, it comes a point where how do you integrate that knowledge so that knowledge turns into wisdom? Because it is really our ultimate personal journeys that matter. And perhaps that is what intrigues you into this kind of material in the first place. So uh, I finished my master's uh, last year and I'm now pursuing my PsyD at Meridian University, which is also another transformative school. My particular interests lie in depth psychology, in humanistic and existential psychology, but I'm also an artist myself. I am a musician. I play classical piano. I've done that since I was four. So it's kind of innately been a part of me. So I definitely resonate with artists and creatives out there. And I'm also an entrepreneur. I actually um, built and managed a surgery center and a medical practice out in the last frontier of Alaska, which was really a former life, a very intense and different 
former life that has shaped me. So I also like to help entrepreneurs in their ventures and their missions, which I think really should be aligned to their sole purpose. Uh, and that's truly one of my messages that I um, want to really um, share with the world. So uh, that's just a little bit about me, Natalie. <laughs> It's a lot. It's good. I love it. <laughs> by the way, amazing pianist. Uh, just awe-inspired by your stuff, really, honestly. Um, I'm a lover of the arts. I do some arts, but I, I was telling Shishi the other day, I don't do art, but I have a lot of art. So I'm always the lover of the arts. I'm the admirer of the art. So I can sit back and be the ears for you. Um, but um, also, um, I think what you said, and what I like, what I like that you're doing is the entrepreneurship stuff, because I know people that are, especially some of the listeners here, they are really immersed in, you know, the spiritual aspect. And I noticed that a lot of these individuals who do that tend to have a really difficult time with asking for money or making a living out of it, right? Because we want to give back our gifts to the world. And because we have such bleeding hearts and we want to give back, sometimes we have a difficult time asking for you know for money for our but we have to eat at the end of the day and you know um so can you give us a little insight on that because honestly i i love the idea of spiritual entrepreneurship uh i think it's something that's not talked about enough in our circles you know because again feeling like maybe you know we're being greedy and that's really not what the work's about but again like i said we have to be able to feed ourselves we have to be able to know our worth we have to be able to say you know i am worthy of this so can you kind of speak to i know you wrote a book about this so can you kind of tell our our listeners about this a little bit yeah so the first thing i want to say is you have to have patience because entrepreneurship is a journey it's a process it's not going to happen overnight and the first step to it is going to be the inner work. It's not like how perhaps we are conditioned to believe we enter into careers like you land a job and then you're there next Monday. You're starting work at 9 a.m. It's a completely different model. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different paradigm. So the first thing that's required of anyone who's even intrigued by the concept is you have to change your mindset because this is a hero's journey. You have to realize that it's a hero's journey. It's gonna be different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you've seen role models of yours who've ignited a business in two months, let's just say, or a week, or it seemed to just happen overnight. First of all, don't compare yourself to that person's journey. And second of all, that seemingly overnight or fast success really was the culmination of a lot of that person's work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. after probably months or years. And I like to use the analogy of the bamboo tree, like the bamboo tree, bamboo was one of the fastest growing crops in the world really is i think maybe even the fastest growing tree however for it to grow so fast you need to do a lot of work to prepare for the for the growth for it to break out mm -hmm. and i think it takes 10 years to really uh get it get the bamboo you know in its perfect state before it can actually shoot out. And that is sort of the um, journey of an entrepreneur. If you feel like nothing's happening and that it's just a dream, actually something is happening. The fact that you're even thinking about it, that's part of the process. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I wanna say to everyone is that you have to have patience and you have to trust the process that no matter where you are on your journey. It is the journey that counts and be prepared for this journey. You have to really want to embark on this journey as a form of your own self-work. You have to see it as, okay, this is just an external manifestation of who I truly am 
And my journey is going to be personal and unique to me. It's going to be very individual. And when you see it that way, things will just start making a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And you know, for me, I it's I've been reading and I've been telling people to read this book because for me, it's just powerful. And it is a 300 day commitment. I always tell people it's a 300 day commitment. But if you do it, it's really good. And it's the greatest salesman in the world. Um, but the principles and, and that's what it talks about, that principles endure and that it is a journey and that not success isn't defined by everybody the same way but failure is defined the same way by everybody. And that's our inability to reach the goals that we want to achieve. So everybody's goals are different, but what I love about it is, is exactly that it's, it's the principles that endure. It's the journey, the internal, you know, one of the, the scrolls talks about, um, you know, replacing bad habits with good habits or reading, you know, I'm on the second scroll. It's like greet, today. I greet this. Uh, I greet the day with love in my heart. You know, and it's not, I want a bunch of money. I want all this or that. It's more like, I'm going to greet this day with love and I'm going to be grateful for what I do have now, but I'm also going to persist until I succeed. And I'm not necessarily going to just give up per se, because it is a journey. Um, so, and, th and that book is pretty powerful as well. Um, so, so yeah, thank you for that. I wanted to just touch on that a little bit before we get into, you know, the existential stuff we wanted to talk about today, um, because I think it's really important. And also for those who are interested in perhaps purchasing the book or getting access to the book, um, I will put that um, in the actual, when I close this up, I'll put uh, Shishi's information there also on my uh, Spirit and Coffee Facebook page as well as Instagram. So if you want to get her information on that and read up more on that, we can definitely do that. Um, so thank you for sharing. Um, now I love to talk about, you know, the existential. I know that you're going into depth psychology. Um, you're going to be focusing on some pretty powerful things. Can you just give us a background of, of what is depth psychology and how is how has it impacted your life, this journey that you've been on so far in, in consciousness studies? Yes. So I would say that depth psychology, just as the term sort of delineates, invokes us to go somewhere within to what is hidden. What is what are these unconscious images? the unconscious layers of meaning inside of us, the non-egoic layers, to use Jungian terms. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are these archetypal symbols that reside within us inherently? We all have them. And it's about excavating what is buried within us and using that knowledge or really truly it's wisdom and being able to enlighten ourselves with a more enhanced self-understanding self-awareness mm -hmm. and contribution to the world so it really is about excavating or like taking that well of water and going deep into the well and pulling out all the gunk, all the minerals, and all the richness and diversity from beneath, from the depths, to use that metaphor. So As really, a, it's about tapping in to the soul. Yeah, and you know what? I also love you know, the Jungian analysis, James Hillman is, he's probably, oh God, I love his work. The soul's code, right? Like for me, I just yeah. resonate with that particular um, theory and, and model. And for some reason, because it, it is that it's like digging deep into the soul, trying to tap into something that's deeper within you. And then also understanding that we have these perhaps patterns that are already inherent to us. And then how can we magnify those and, and share that with the world? which to me, it's like, you know, I love it because it's like kind of like it doesn't matter because like you said, it, it transcends the ego, right? It's deeper than that. And it's like 
you know, the soul doesn't, doesn't care. It's going to throw a temper tantrum. It's like, you need to pay attention to this no matter what. And I think some people just kind of like, shut up. Or they try to ignore that, but it doesn't care because it's not trying to look good or be right about something. It just wants to express itself in its natural form um, where society might say, well, that's wrong or, you know, whatever, but that is what the soul is asking us to do. It's, it's, it's calling something deeper within us. And like you said, sometimes it is not, it's not so pretty all the time. <laughs> it could be very gunky and, you know, it, it uproots a lot of the different parts of us, but there's almost like this pattern that's inherently in us. And, and I believe that, you know, if people could really tap into that would be really, really powerful. Um, so my question is like, how have you applied this to your life? Like, have you, like, what are some practical things you've done or what have you gone through yourself where you felt like you are maybe more aligning with your soul's code? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you use the term uprooting, which I think is a really powerful term because uh, I would definitely resonate with that. It's, it's not so much rooting as it is uprooting. Mm-hmm. And I think I really like this model because it truly taps into the nucleus of who we are. And no matter what events or circumstances or crises that we are uh, experiencing in life, whatever it is that makes us feel unaligned stems from that nucleus of soul. And it's about tapping in to the reason why we're here. And that's why I am so big on purpose because we all have a purpose and I think we become lost or disoriented and confused when we forget that. So just like a tree has its own unique purpose, it's meant to spread its branches out and thrive and share itself with the world proudly. Um, A tree rots and shrivels up when it's not being nurtured. And so do we um, as complex human beings. Um, And we all came here for different reasons and have different purposes. And I don't think there is a kind of a one-size-fits-all or categorical kind of purpose for us or a sort of a collective purpose that either you identify with or have inherited through your family or your religion or any other groups that you associate with. I think there is something that is very unique and an individual purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think there can be a sense of disease or depression, anxiety, or just feeling out of whack to use that term, when we're not aligned to that. So do you feel like you're aligning? So after all of the the master's program, all of the processes we've gone through, everything that we've done, do you feel like you're aligning more to your soul's code? And what, it, what does that look like for you? I do think that I am aligning more. And I say more because I don't ever think I will say, yes, I've got it mastered. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no one can say that. <laughs> it's, like I said, it's it's a process. Mm-hmm. However, you still can objectively measure it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a sea journey. It's not a land journey. So it's very much a subjective experience. However, you you still can um, form accountability towards. Okay, am I making progress? And that one of the easiest ways of doing that is by looking back, because it's often hard to say, okay, where am I now? Like you may have an idea, but you truly can see your own personal progress by looking back. And when I look back, like I mentioned before, uh, several years ago, I was in a marriage that I didn't feel truly aligned with me. And I felt a sense that I didn't really belong there. And previously I was met with a lot of apathy and that's actually a pretty horrible state to be in when you just feel bored and uninterested 
in life, even if even though if you have a lot of stuff going on around you. And that's how I felt several years ago. And it led me to my, uh, it was really the catalyst to my spiritual awakening and how I discovered the uh, program at JFK University, mm-hmm. the consciousness program, and began my work there. And I wasn't really sure where that was going to lead me. I was really just following my heart. I felt so compelled to the program. And I wanted to do something where I followed my heart for a change because prior to that, um, even though I felt innately that I was so passionate as a person, I still wanted to do things that gave, that I thought would um, give me security. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if, if that is a path that you're choosing to take, that's, um, you know, I don't, one of the first things of, of this journey to soul purpose and entrepreneurship is that we don't form any dichotomies, that we don't form any dualities between okay, heart and head. Everything should be aligned. Mm-hmm. And if your journey entails having to pay the bills, uh by doing whatever work then that's fine Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're less noble it doesn't mean that this path is not meant for you you know we it's just we need to be very careful not to form these dualities Mm -hmm. so basically my journey led from uh being in that medical and healthcare space which i did do fairly well in and then uh, feeling bored and just having just this inkling of an interest that maybe life had more meaning than this. Just having just that sense of curiosity that maybe there's something that would be more meaningful and more balanced for me. And not knowing what that would be because I hadn't enlivened that experience yet. And I only knew what I knew and I lived in this bubble. and. Then it was about breaking out of my shell and discovering who I am and paying attention to the inner voice, paying attention to the more feminine layers of experience (laughs) by going inward. Mm -hmm. And naturally that kind of took me into the descent of the underworld. Again, death, descent into the underworld. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, in the Hindu pantheon, uh, there is this goddess Lakshmi, and she actually comes from the depths of the underworld. Mm-hmm. And it is from the underworld that she is able to come into this conscious lower world, or however you want to call it, and um, and provide this abundance. So. You know, when we go into those depths, uh, whether consciously or um, whether it feels as though there was some kind of greater greater force or um, reason for you to be plunged into that depth, and whether that depth presents itself through darkness or through um, troublesome or difficult times or through having to navigate childhood wounds or trauma, whether it opens up that Pandora's box, however way that manifests for you, I think that is really a critical part of building your character and allowing those shadow components to inform who you truly are, inform the soul's code. I, yeah, I agree. I have a question for you. You said something that, and, and I'm just out of curiosity because I want to kind of understand what you mean by this. And I'm guessing I might know, but I want to ask you. You said that this is not a land journey. This is a sea journey. Can yes. you explain that? Yeah, explain that to me. Well, when you're a ship at sea, you could be traveling from point A to point B, and it looks exactly the same around you. However, when you're traveling on land, you see these, you know, goalposts. Oh, we're here. Now we're at point A. The next 
place we're going to be is here and uh, things look different. The cl climate changes and the landscape changes and the colors change and the vibrations and the frequencies of the areas you're at change. And to a certain extent, yes, they do as well when you're at sea, but it can be also frustrating when you're at sea because it looks the same. <laughs> it was ocean around me and it's still ocean around me. And I don't know if I'm making any progress. Got it. So, <laughs> yes, yes. There's like no so, milestones um, that you can point to. It's just a bunch Exactly. Of <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just this expansive vastness. And I feel lost either way. <laughs> However, you're still making too. progress. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. ocean too is kind of mm -hmm. like the metaphor for consciousness itself too, because you can dive in the water and it's, there's depths. That yes. You it's infinite. Oh, it's infinite. It's huge. It's vast. And, and yeah, exactly. And I yeah. think that is something that's actually scary because that infinite concept of the ocean is just like the infinite concept of our own soul's journey and whether that is a journey on the hero's journey for uh, entrepreneurship or whether you're at the stage of healing and awakening to your higher self through dealing with battling demons perhaps you know i think um there is infinite wisdom and when you do individuate to use that Jungian term, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it can be so the, the expansive. The process can be so infinite. You think, oh goodness, when is this going to end? When am I going to be at the next stage? Like I'm at level three, when's level four coming? You know, And this is so individual that um, you can easily get lost in the uh -huh. process. And I think that was one of my um pitfalls in that i just got lost in the ocean uh, i felt like i didn't know where i was going it all looked the same i know i'm just sailing and i kind of felt like when am i going to see just just a smidgen of land just to show me that there is a light at the end of this tunnel and i think what helps if you are experiencing that dark night of the soul or if you're in this tunnel and you're wondering when is this going to end or when am I going to get through this? I think having your own personal um, goalposts mm -hmm. and by journaling, that actually is very useful because you can actually define how you feel this day, what your goals are this day what your thoughts are just it's it's a great way to release and to have a dialogue with yourself mm -hmm. because it's very personal and assuming you don't share it with anyone you are kind of talking to yourself without any constraint mm -hmm. without anyone reviewing what you write or how you write it without anyone saying yeah that's without feeling self-conscious because you're writing to yourself and you can let everything out. You can let all those skeletons in the closet out and nobody cares and nobody gives a damn whether you write well or whether you're forming proper sentences. <laughs> and the other thing is soul doesn't care. You're having a conversation with soul. And when you begin to have a conversation with soul, you'll realize that soul doesn't speak in the English language or whatever preferred language you choose to work in. The language of soul is so different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yep. it's about learning the language of soul and communicating. Yeah, I really like that. I just yeah. want to say, <laughs> interject there. I really do like that. Learning mm -hmm. the language of the soul, like your soul. And that's another thing. And I just want to point that out is because you keep saying it and it's beautiful. Everybody has their own journey everybody has their own cult and that, that's why i love james hillman's stuff because it's the soul's code and everybody's is different it's not going to be this and everybody has their own journey and practices like you say um you know it's like that liminal space and i think we were talking about i was talking about this with pam actually and you know when we think about the what i think about spiral dynamics include and transcend include and transcend but the include piece becomes 
you know, like you said, you can get washed up in all of it and you don't know which way is up or down. You don't know how you're going to get out of it. You're in a whirlwind, right? And you're confused and you're like, well, which way is up? Which way is down? I don't even know anymore. It's the practices that help us, the practical use, right, is of esoteric wisdom. That's why I call it that because what, what practices can be put in place to help us move through it so that we can start to discover you know those hidden pieces but then also make use of them also be able to you know bring it into the world in a meaningful way and and really shape our life the way that we choose to shape it and it's it's not an easy journey this is like not for the faint of heart i always tell my listeners this you know spiritual journeys are not for the faint of heart they're they're it's really a warrior's journey to be honest with you <laughs> um and you yes. keep alluding to the hero's journey right because when you when we watch these heroes journey everything they go out just kind of naively like yeah i'm gonna go on this journey and before you know it they're facing like you said the demons they're facing all of these monsters these things that come up and they're having to battle with them and so it's not this beautiful laid out plan that people think it is some people, I wouldn't say all people, but some people think, you know, oh, I'm going to be enlightened. Well, you have to know what you're asking for because it's, it, it is a lot. And, you know, these practices of journaling, super critical. And also one thing that I just want to add is, you know, you said no one cares what you're writing. And also you can burn it up if you don't want anyone to read it. Right. You know, and they do exactly. have, yeah, you can burn it up after you're done, just burn it away. Um, so what other practices like, when you're in that state of being, um, you know, as well as journaling, what other practices have sort of helped you to kind of find your up, down, your north again? Yes, for me, mm -hmm. I do uh, dream quite a bit and I do maintain a dream journal. Mm -hmm. And I actually think if you want to be a dreamer <laughs> or if you're having trouble remembering dreams, in some ways it's a skill that you can build mm -hmm. so if you say you know i just um i have problems remembering dreams or i just don't dream enough or whatever the whatever the um obstacle is and if dreaming is really a practice that you would like to um embrace which it's a beautiful practice because it's so spontaneous it's so unknown and you just have to surrender to it because sometimes you may not get a dream for a while and then sometimes i'll get a series of dreams where every day i have very intense dreams and i'm remembering them so that's the beauty about dreams it's that it really reminds you that if you want to have a dream practice you have to be receptive and you have to let go you can't force it. You can't say, okay, tonight I'm going to dream. Okay. So damn mind dream, please dream, produce something for me. <laughs> you can't do that. It, it either happens or it doesn't. So, um, there are ways that you can foster it. Obviously having that as an intention, uh, obviously ensuring you have proper sleep. That's critical because you can't really dream unless you are at that uh, REM stage of sleep and you need to be able to sleep deeply enough to, to induce that. So you need to, yes, that's the first and foremost, um, practice, if you will, ensuring that you're getting enough sleep. And even if you still don't dream, ensuring that you get enough sleep is probably going to solve a lot of, a lot of things in your life. Um, so for me, that was, has always been very insightful mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and if you already do have a dream practice what i like to do is i like to um dictate my dreams because i tend to remember my dreams best as soon as i wake up and it's better i i think we have better recollection of dreams if the alarm clock is not so abrupt <laughs> <laughs> and just <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> you don't want that <laughs> so you out of you want, right right you don't want something so jarring and shocking to your system that it's a little bit traumatic to wake up because traumatic wake-ups many 
traumatic wake-ups are not um, healthful. They're not helpful for the, for inducing a state of connecting with soul. Mm. So you want sort of a gradual, if possible, wake-up. And I know this can be asking for a lot, especially if you have deadlines to meet. I know you may not have the luxury or the privilege to say, okay, I'm going to wake up really slowly and just take my time with trying to remember my dream and then, you know, <laughs> log it into my diary because you got to get to work at 9 a.m. and you got to get through traffic and you got to get out of the house and feed the dog and the cat or the goldfish or the kids or whatever. And that kind of trauma in the morning um, can just really ruin any dream practice just in and of itself, just mm -hmm. the stress of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I totally get that not everyone has that luxury, but um, obviously these are, these are things that help. But um, that's how I've been able to maintain a consistent dream practice. It's mm -hmm. slow, slower wake-ups if you have the privilege and the luxury to, to, um, to have that. And then I actually dictate my dream because I find that writing it down for me or typing it up or entering it in, you know, manually somehow into a log that uses a part of my brain. That's the thinking brain. And it kind of um, actually makes it harder for me to remember things as soon as I switch to the thinking brain function. So I personally like to record it. I like to dictate it because when I just say it out loud, when I'm still, when it's still fresh, I can capture it more accurately and more vividly. And then I try not to interpret the dream when I am recording it, because it is definitely, there's a part of your mind that wakes up and says, Hey, I want to interpret that. I just try to not interpret it at all. I just try to let whatever the visions and the images were just captured and don't even interpret it. So um, what's really interesting is whether you wish to interpret your dream or not later that day or that week or in a future date, um, whenever you feel called to interpret it, whatever that time frame is, is when I say you should interpret it because sometimes I choose just to not interpret my dreams. And sometimes I choose to review my dream diary and go, oh, what did I write at this day? Oh, I totally forgot about this. What? This is so bizarre. And I review it and I say, wow, look at the pattern that was being formed at that time. Look at what it was, what soul was trying to tell me. And mm -hmm. sometimes when I review past dreams, it makes sense at the time that I choose to interpret it. The oh. wisdom, mm -hmm. yes, actually, it, it, I've had several um, premonition dreams, but they didn't make sense to me at all at the time that I was having the dreams. So that's why I just didn't even want to interpret it at that time. But um, as the future unfolded into the present and I look into what I had dreamt about, I say, wow, I completely predicted this in my dream. It's like foreshadowing, right? Foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. But it also, it's not so much a aha, I'm right, but it's more so a, wow, I have an inner voice that I really should trust. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that inner voice and dream work is very powerful. I um, I love that you're keeping up with the practice of dream work. I personally cannot do <laughs> I dream too much. It's like, it's overwhelming for me. I know that there's like this, um, it's a huge nugget for individuals, like to really understand, because it does, it is the soul speaking to you. It's like these bigger patterns, these bigger, um, like archetypal images and stuff like that you can play with and look at. And I do remember doing the dream um, you know, we had to do the dream course and I don't even know if that was part of our curriculum, um, requirements, but I do know that when I did it, um, there were some amazing patterns that did show up. I was completely overwhelmed. I'm one of these people who dreams every night, remembers their dream every day. And, but I feel like it's such, it is such a powerful, um, tool for individuals who are really like wanting to tap into like, what is their, their soul trying to tell them? And it's all it to me. It sounds like your soul's code is kind of like foreshadowing 
<laughs> it's like, here's what's to come. And I like the fact that you process it after the fact. I think that's a really important key because sometimes we're, we don't, we can't see the pattern right now. We can't really interpret it or understand it. And sometimes we have to walk away from it and then re come back to it to, to really understand it. So I think that's a really good practice. So it, it sounds to me like you have like a ritual perhaps that has been helping you through these, uh, through these hard times are finding your North again, or practices in place that'll help you get, maybe get on track or move through the chaos in your life. Um, it sounds like you have a, a daily ritual or a morning ritual. Is that, is that the case? Is this like a morning routine that you do? Or is it more when you actually have dreams that you remember? I would say because dreams are so spontaneous mm -hmm. and they sort of shift, um, they're fluid is how I would, mm -hmm. I would describe it. That even the practice of dreaming for me has been fluid. Mm -hmm. And um, that's typically how I tend to relate anyway. I see uh, my um, strengths, or I guess really my traits, my archetypal sort of characterization is that I'm, I'm a fairly adaptable person. Mm -hmm. So when I have actually set out rituals for dreaming, they sometimes just don't come to me. Mm, I just mm -hmm. don't have a powerful dream. Uh -huh. And that's, that's the um, really, I suppose, curious thing about dreaming for me as a practice. It's that it's not like a recipe book formula. It's not mm -hmm. a cookbook formula. Mm -hmm. There are definitely things that will help induce your dreams. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't say that by doing X, Y, and Z at 8.30 every night creates a dream for me that is ultra potent. It's, um, it's really not a cookbook. And I think that's why I really like it because it allows me just to be at ease when life becomes fluid because all of life is fluid and i think we have a lot of structures that have been defined in our lives through you know the use of time like one hour blocks yep. <laughs> and um <laughs> the nine to five structure and the bus shows up at seven thirty-two. so <laughs> having these very exact um measures of how we structure our lives and Dreams don't operate that way. They're serendipitous, mm. uh, and you—it's—it's it's very personal. Now, maybe having a certain ritual may work for you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm not against that at all. What I would like to say is, it's about finding what works for you. And it may be a trial and error approach, depending on how you relate to life, because I'm a trial and error person and not everybody is. And living a trial and error life, <laughs> I, I, it's not something I would recommend because there is <laughs> error. <laughs> and you do do things that you think, okay, that probably didn't work for me. I, However, I learned from it and I'm enriched by that. So. Uh, it's really about how you relate with the world. And if you feel called by a ritual, then by all means, embrace that ritual. Let it be a form of your own wisdom. I like that. Let it be a form of your own wisdom. <laughs> it's really because it's so, these practices are going to be different for everybody. This is something I constantly. I'm saying, uh, especially on uh, my podcast, it's like everybody has their own way um, and, you know, everybody has their own practices and it's really finding the practices that work for you. Dream work is a very powerful tool. It, it's, I mean, it's the closest to the soul that we can get, at least in, in Jungian terms, right? <laughs> it's it's yes. like, 
we're in total communication with our soul during, you know, because we, like you said, we have to surrender to it. You know, we're not, you can have lucid dreaming, but mostly you don't. I mean, it's very rare that you're having lucid dreaming all the time. You're typically surrendering to the narrative that's happening. Um, and you know, you're not, you're not fully controlling it. You're just allowing yourself to be a part of it. And, and then to really like interpret what, what is it saying? What do these dreams really mean? So it is a very powerful, very powerful practice. And a lot of images show up and, and stuff like that. So, and then there's big dreams, right. That constantly show up in life. I used to have a, a big dream. I'll share with you real quick, Shishi, um, where I would dream that I didn't graduate uh, high school. And then I'd wake up. And oh, I'd I've had dreams like that too. <laughs> and I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, wait, did I grab? And so I'd wake up like in a panic, like, wait, did I graduate? <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, yes. I did. <laughs> and I've had several dreams like uh -huh. that actually. Yeah. And you know I what? I think maybe was. there was some trauma from high school. I definitely had a lot of trauma of feeling perhaps inadequate or that uh -huh. when am uh -huh. I going to make it through this? Uh -huh. And uh -huh. my learning experience in high school. Uh, I didn't feel that I aligned with that. It was something that I inherited. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. have really a choice of the school that I was going to in some ways. It was what my parents felt was convenient and which they could afford. And um, I always felt like, when am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this? I ended up doing very well in high school at the end and getting a really high um, equivalent of the SAT in Australia. But I do remember that journey there was grueling. It was actually um, a hero's journey for me. I don't know what, what it was like for you, Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I think for me, what, what it ha I think the dream was occurring because I, it was the inadequacy. I think totally like I didn't get the education I wanted either. And I wanted to get my, this is before I got my, um, my bachelor's degree, my undergrad degree. And literally when I got my undergrad degree, the dreams went away. And I think it's just because I didn't feel like I, I wanted to go to a private school where my parents, you know, sent me to public school. I just didn't like me the whole too. Thing. Me yeah. too. 100%. Yeah. 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 And it was just awful. And I just had a bad experience and the education system was terrible. And, and so, yeah, that's probably why we see. And that's so I'm glad we talked about it, because when you talk about these big dreams, that's another thing that happens in dreams is that there's these we tap into like this. It's a bigger system that we're all interconnected to. And and these reoccur like, for instance, the bathroom dream, right, where um, I already have this like anxiety around bathrooms. But but um, when I have to use the bathroom in my dream, I always dream of the most disgusting bathroom ever. Me too. Yeah. So and these me are too. and these are me too. <laughs> because you know what is taboo and what is not usually spoken about appears in the depths of our psyches. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And that's the, that is actually, you know, it's just this unconscious buried layer. It's not all pretty roses. Some of it is, but we have to take the good with the, you know, the darker sides of humanity, the unspoken parts of humanity, the parts of humanity that you don't really want to confront. That's the shadow component. Shadow doesn't exist if there weren't light. That's right. You're going to cast a light on something. You have a shadow. <laughs> you can't escape from having a shadow. No, and no. you know what I do want to say though, based on my own personal journey through this, uh -huh. my advice actually to everyone is no matter what stage of the journey you're going through, do what makes you happy because don't think of this as, as kind of a sacrificial journey. I don't want it to sound like you're going to give up everything and it's going to be like an ascetic life for you. Because when I entered this journey, I kind of saw this duality that I had to just sort of relinquish my life and be ascetic. Mm -hmm. And I want to say it shouldn't be like that. I actually think it's important that 
you induce some kind of fun from this and that you should actually pursue what makes you happy. And if you don't know what makes you happy, that's where the practices come in and help. Mm -hmm. uh, really, you, you want to find what you do that just makes time pass so quickly, <laughs> that makes the experience of time just fly by. Mm -hmm. And there is always something. And if you don't know what that is yet, you will <laughs> in this journey. Something will happen and you go, oh, my goodness, like time flew. And I just wish time was suspended when I was doing this. And that's when we enter our flow states. And when we enter those states, that's when we feel most alive, most aligned to who we are. And you can say, well, you know, I paint and I can paint for hours, but it doesn't make me any money. Well, that's a start because I still think that there is something very powerful about turning your hobby into a business eventually. But mm -hmm. it first comes with realizing that, mm -hmm. yes, of course, you know, this is your passion or this is where you just become lost, but so mm -hmm. pleasantly lost that you just love being lost. <laughs> and that's yeah. something that's really powerful because not everyone can be lost in painting or sketching or drawing or gardening or whatever that is. It's and true. Mm -hmm. yeah, you have a gift there. And obviously I think that um, a lot of the times we don't see our gifts as gifts because whatever those gifts are, they're so innate in us. We just say, well, that's just me. I don't even see it as a gift. It's just who I am. And it takes, it may take somebody else to wake you up and say, you know, this is a gift you have. And maybe you're taking it for granted, or perhaps you really will live a more meaningful life if you incorporated more of this into your being, into your daily routine, whatever it is if you're a routine person, um, into something that you may want to express and share with the world or not. It could be very personal. You don't have to share it with the world. Sharing something with the world is also another um, part of this journey that may or may not be for you. It's another stage of this process. Yeah, that is a whole other uh, process sharing because sharing your gifts can then the rejection and all that stuff could come in. Some people don't do so well with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that is like a whole other process, but sharing your, um, being immersed in something that you absolutely love. Um, you're absolutely correct in that, you know, time doesn't seem to exist. You're totally in a, like you said, a flow state, um, and doing what you're passionate about. And I think that, everybody should at least have the opportunity to get to that state of being and and experience it without you know you don't have to make it a a, a a business if you don't want to you can just allow yourself to experience what it's like to be in flow because that is like the most magical part of our being it's where the the magic happens the innovation the creativity uh our soul's expression you know, um, hitting those flow states are like, there's no other bliss, in my opinion, than than actually being in the flow of what our soul is being called forth. And I think you're absolutely correct. I've been very, I've been very blessed to be uh, doing the work that I love. And am I fully doing the work that I love? Well, part of it is, you know, doing this work. If I could do this all day, every day, that would be it. But there's, you know, I am doing nutrition and all these other things that I love as well. And I'm applying this work to other parts of my life. So, you know, I think at the same token is like, yeah, I get to be in these flow states, um, but I'm doing a both end, right? Which I think you talked about as well. It's like I'm building, you know, if I'm not making money on the things that I love, then I'm going to make money so that I can do the things that I love anyway. You know what I mean? I'm going to And that's find how it mom. starts off. That's sure. how it can begin. Yes, exactly. To and, 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 and uh huh, go ahead. Yeah, and that kind of <clears throat> revolves back to my point about patience. 
-hmm. that maybe you have this vision board of you doing what you love and being paid for it and you have no idea how you're going to get there well you know this is a journey so take a step at a time and it may just begin with you doing what you love just because it passes time so quickly and it adds so much meaning and joy to your life and it gives you this hope or sustenance and these are all very real reasons to continue it and then maybe later on you build your confidence and you may share it with a particular community or maybe you feel ready for social media or publishing it and everything is a matter of timing as well and that timing is unique for every individual it may not be your time to go public it may not be your time to go on social media and share your gifts with the world maybe it's simply your time to be lost in your own thought of whatever it is that inspires you whatever your craft is or your art is and it doesn't have to be a single thing like natalie said she has this nutrition part of herself that she chooses to offer to clients and for me i am also multifaceted I'm a classical pianist, so I have a musical background. I have a lot of musical interests. I also have a lot of business interests as well. And I have these interests in this space as well. And for me, it's about finding that integration point of utilizing the whole breadth and scope of my skills. And remember, skills are only built from talent. You can't give someone talent, but you can give someone skills. Talent and gifts are innate. That's where the soul speaks. That's where it's this voice inside of you, maybe when you were eight years old and you always knew just within you that you'd be a chef or that you always knew that you're an artist within. That's who you truly are. It's that deeper voice. That's talent and that's where your gifts reside and i always say it's really important to find what your gifts are and then turn your gifts into skills i love that that is perfectly that's a perfect way to wrap it up turn your gifts into skills and how do you do that and i think that this podcast kind of goes over you know some of at least Shishi's journey into how, um, you know, how she was able to do that. And then also, you know, some of some examples of how I was able to do that. And pretty much the podcast is about that. You know, it's, it's taking your skills and turning them into something that, you know, I mean, your gifts and turning them to something that you can give back to the world. And that's really what this has always been about the intention of spirit and coffee. So I think that's a perfect message. Um, so Shishi, I really appreciate you, um, coming on and sharing your story with us, um, and, and letting us know who you are. Um, if you want, uh, if you could tell people where to find you, that would be really great. Yes, absolutely. Pleasure to be here. And you can find me on social media. My handle is Shishi Chen Win. That's X-I-X-I-Q-I-A-N Win. Awesome. And uh, some other things I'd like to do before we end this podcast is I would love to let, inform you guys. I've kind of been saying something, but um, we are in the works of developing a talk show. Um, and the talk show is going to be called Women in Consciousness. Um, and uh, how soon it will come out, i that's to be determined. Um, however, be on the lookout for that. Um, and we're going to have some very powerful women um coming on that and she she will be part of that process which is really awesome and i'm excited and so this is like the first introduction to like something that's greater and bigger um for those listeners if you have things that topics that you're interested in or things that you want to hear about please let us know um, and we will take that into consideration for some topics that we will bring to the talk show I'll be giving out the information of where you can find us when that actually goes live. Um, but it is in the works and it's something that I feel is very, I think it's going to be powerful to have insight from more than just, um, it, it'll be a few women. 
than more than just me. So <laughs> expanding this reach um, so that we can all support each other in the spiritual community. Um, collaboration and integration, I think, is what's needed right now. And I'm very honored that um, Shishi will be a part of this journey. It's been a pleasure. I absolutely um, just love you. I think you're amazing. Um, and I'm excited to to connect with you even more. So oh, thank you, Natalie. Yeah, I am super excited about the talk show and I love connecting with you as always. Yes. So have a good day, everybody. Namaste. We will see you soon. Namaste. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.